Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. It is. <laughs> We've already said happy Father's Day. Um, I hope that every father feels extra valued and loved today. Um, and we also know it's going to be a difficult time for children who have lost a father, um, dads who have lost a child, dads who no longer have a relationship with the child. There's all kinds of nuance around this. So we want you to know that we're praying that our Heavenly Father would just make himself real to every father, no matter what your situation, that he would do it in a special way today. Um, all right, we are in a series called Deep Change, and we began this series looking at our foundations, which we just sing about. Uh, the higher a building is to become, the deeper the foundation must be. And so, for example, when building a skyscraper, uh, builders use something called piles, which are drilled or hammered deep into the ground until solid rock is reached. It goes, penetrates that rock. So if a skyscraper is to reach a height of 75 to 100 stories, then the piles must go close to 300 feet deep. So the only way to go higher is to go lower first, which is essentially what Jesus taught when he said, he who humbles himself will be exalted. The way to go higher is always to go lower or to go deeper first. We also talked about how many of us have faulty foundations. And we're often trying to construct a life on a foundation that's incapable of sustaining the weight. And just like the construction world, when the foundation is faulty, the building has to either be torn down or it has to be lifted up so that the foundation can be corrected. And this is where a lot of us find ourselves. Our foundations are faulty. So in a lot of cases, we have to tear down or unlearn things that have become part of our foundations, which leads us to what the next few parts of the series have been about. Our foundations are faulty because they were often formed as children. Many of the things that we deal with as adults, we learned as children during our formative years. We consciously and unconsciously learned negative behaviors that we then carried into adulthood. In the New Testament, Paul comes along and tells everyone to grow up. 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And we looked at Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word renew here means to renovate or change for the better. But it also means, it literally means to cause to grow up. So the negative patterns and behaviors that we learned as children must be dealt with in order to experience deep change. We cannot continue to act like little children. Says the guy wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt. (laughs) My kids picked it out. And uh, I think we're going to start a new tradition on Father's Day just to wear the daddest shirt you have and bonus points if your kids pick out your outfit. So uh, don't let me forget, but we hereby declare Father's Day as Dad Shirt Day. Uh, it's time to grow up, right? Peter, who physically walked with Jesus, says this. First Peter chapter 2 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, So that by it you may grow up in your salvation, 
Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter, like Paul, is telling us that we have to grow up. The New Testament is full of verses of Scripture admonishing us to grow up. Let's quickly look at just a few more. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's the writer of this letter. Beginning in verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul is saying, stop being blown around like a tumbleweed every time something new comes along or every time there's a crisis, it's time to grow up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. It says this, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. These writers are addressing first century believers in all kinds of cities and all kinds of places. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Corinth, Ephesus, and Jerusalem, just to name a few. I guess we could have titled this series, Grow Up. But the problem is, we don't want to. Our lives look more like this old video from the 1980s. I don't wanna grow up, find a toys to wreck it. They got a million toys and toys to wreck that I can play with. I don't wanna grow up, I'm a toy to wreck it. They got the best for so much less, you really flip your lid. From bikes to trains to video games, it's the biggest toy store there is. Gee whiz! Yeah, well, now nobody can be a Toys R Us kid, so. <laughs> the problem of not wanting to grow up isn't new. The fathers of our faith were telling the first century church to grow up thousands of years ago, and yet still here we are. If Paul or Peter wrote a letter to the American believers, what would it say? I mean, it's a speculation, but from my perspective, I think it might read something like this. I'm trying to give you meat, but you keep reaching for milk. Instead of growing in your faith, you'd rather be coddled and bottle fed. Instead of knowing, understanding and taking to heart the basics of Christianity, which are loving God and loving others as yourself, you would rather huddle with those who think just like you while simultaneously ganging up on anyone who looks, acts, votes or sees things differently than you do. Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly mere infants in Christ. Deep change requires us to go deep. There's no way around it, and there's no shortcut. Now, I know throughout this series, I've referenced a lot of different authors and books. The truth is, the subject is deep, no pun intended, and it's difficult and I won't pretend to understand it all. As I've said many times, I'm still walking through this journey myself. 
But I'm thankful for other godly, spirit-filled, spirit-led leaders who have done deep research on this topic. You've heard me reference Pete Scazzaro a lot. His writings have impacted me more than any other author in my adult life. He calls this part of ourselves the shadow. And this hidden part of ourselves that we've carried from childhood into adulthood is something that has to be dealt with. We all have a shadow, and he describes it this way. He says this, quote, Your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives, and thoughts that, while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. Now, going back to something we talked about previously, our foundations are often damaged. And until we're willing to correct the damage or face our shadow, we will remain only a shell of what we could be. Let me give you some practical ways to know when your shadow is present and at work. Or let me say it another way, some practical ways to know when you're being affected by your past. Number one, you act, you act out inappropriately when under pressure. What comes out of us when we're under pressure? Whether it's heavy traffic on a stressful day, whether it's the kids being in an extra persistent mood, or receiving news or a diagnosis that felt like a kick in the gut? Do we act out inappropriately when under pressure? Number two, you don't want someone to succeed because they've hurt you. And maybe you've gone through a bitter divorce and you, and you, you hope your ex-spouse fails at everything they do. You couldn't possibly wish them happiness because of how they hurt you. That's only one example. I mean, we get hurt and wounded in all kinds of ways. And then we just, we cannot, we can't wish success or happiness for anybody else. Number three, when we're triggered by a person or circumstance and say things you later regret. Right? We've all been in that place. How many times have you said something you later regret? And I think what compounds the issue is when we just, we just don't, we won't deal with it. I said it. They know it. They know I didn't mean it. We won't acknowledge it. We don't apologize for it. We won't own our wrong. Number four. You disregard your spouse or co-workers when they bring up a difficult issue about you and your behavior. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. We have to give those close to us, those that we know love us and have our best interest in mind, we have to give them permission to speak into our lives. And yes, it's painful and it can be embarrassing. But it's all part of the growing up process. I mean, how many times have you had something stuck in your teeth or something else embarrassing and, and, and it's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And in the moment, you're like, ugh. You know, you feel like, uh, I feel dumb, right? You're thinking about all the people you talk to with it in your mouth or whatever. But if you really take the emotion out of the stinging comment, you're like, I'm really grateful that the next hundred people that I'm going to talk to aren't going to, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, could, it could be pain. The truth is painful in the, in the front end, in the moment. But when we begin to deal with those things, it saves us further pain on the back end. Number five, we keep doing the same thing over and over, even though the consequences remain negative. How many of us struggle with this? We eat poorly and feel bad all the time. We don't sleep correctly. and We're tired all the time. We don't manage our money well. We don't tithe. We don't honor God with our giving and we're broke all the time. We don't spend any personal time in worship or the word and our lives are a mess all the time. I mean, the list of this could be endless of the things that we do on a regular basis, knowing before we do them that the consequences will be negative. Number six, 
angry, jealous, and envious a lot. Number seven, we do and say things out of fear of what other people think. Number eight, we get busier rather than reflective when we become anxious. Number nine, we tend to idealize others who seem to have a, been given a special gift by God, forgetting that they too have a shadow and are broken just like you. Number 10, last one, make, we make negative comments to others about those who frustrate you rather than go to them directly. Do you connect with any of those? There are times in my life when I connect with a lot of them. Refusing to face our shadow, refusing to face our past or correct our foundations will undermine the best of who we are. We can't just keep pretending that everything is fine. I mean, rewind a couple of years ago when everyone was losing their mind about wearing a mask during the pandemic. You can't tell me what to do. But we have no problem keeping our metaphorical masks on so that nobody can see the real me. No one will know that I'm really hurting inside. And that's what an authentic church is about, a place where everyday people can take off their masks, a place where we can be real. We can be real with each other. We can be real with God. We can receive healing from our past, healing from our childhood hurt and trauma, healing from church hurt, healing from deep wounds that nobody knows about. But we have to face our shadow. We have to face our past. We have to be willing to restore the foundations of our lives that have either been broken down or poorly constructed. I mean, we are all broken people. But listen to me, your brokenness is what makes you beautiful. It's the flaws that make you unique, the blemishes that make you valuable. Let me ask you, would you rather have a mint condition baseball from the gift shop at Yankee Stadium or have a used, dirty, scuffed up baseball that Derek Jeter hit over the center field wall? Would you rather have a brand new in-the-box basketball from the Los Angeles Lakers gift shop? <laughs> or have the sweaty, dirty, germy basketball that was used when LeBron just broke the scoring record? A mint condition item that's been autographed by either of those sports icons makes them valuable. But an item that's been used by them is of infinite more value. Similarly, our lives in mint condition are of value, but a life that's been blemished and scarred and bruised, but used by God is of infinite value. Don't be afraid to take off the mask. Don't be afraid to dig deep. Don't be afraid to face your past. Don't be afraid to show your weakness, your scars or your failures because God is in the redeeming business. Admittedly, the task of deep change, facing our shadow, redeeming our past is difficult at best. And it can at times feel overwhelming, but it's worth it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just so tired of fake Christianity. People so polished on the outside trying to hide their inner brokenness. Godly brokenness is a mystery. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's a mystery in the kingdom because Jesus died for our healing. And so when I say brokenness is beautiful, I'm talking about godly brokenness. It's us admitting that we cannot do life on our own. It's the humility before the elevation that we talked about earlier. 
And for many of us, many of us in the room, brokenness and dysfunction goes very deep. And when you take inventory of the unspoken commandments, which is a throwback to a few weeks ago, we take inventory of the behaviors and negative patterns and the tendencies that have been handed down to us through generations. It feels overwhelming. So how do we face our shadow? How do we do it? And this is going to be the final thought for now. You face your shadow or your past one day at a time. The truth is, some of us won't even make it through a day. And so it becomes a moment by moment. Most of you know I have an on-again, off-again relationship with running. I run regularly, but sometimes regularly means once a month. (laughs) The other day after a run, I was in my office slash garage. We have a little detached garage. I call it my Garfus for those that are new around here. I sat down at the weight bench at this weight machine that I have, and I began to do some bench press. I mean, you can tell it really did a lot. Uh, I sat down at this machine. I began to do the bench press. And Bennett, our five-year-old, he's in there. And he says, are you getting stronger? (laughs) And I said, well, if I did this every day, I would. And he said, we should do this every day. When I really process those words, there's a lot in there. Because the reality is, is we get stronger when we do the little things consistently. I didn't get up from that weight machine suddenly able to bench 300 pounds. But consistently sitting down and bench pressing lightweight would make me stronger. But most of us don't want to do the little things consistently because we can't see the results instantly. Maybe we should take the simple advice of a five-year-old. We should do this every day. Galatians 6, 7. Paul says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. And the process of facing our past or deep change takes time. You likely won't become a new person in the way you think, act, or process things overnight. But if we will consistently face them, address them, and deal with them, then over time we will reap a harvest. But just like that one-time bench press session didn't do much for me physically, it wasn't even enough to make me sore, a one-time addressing of our deep issues will do, also do little for us. It will take moment-by-moment moment consistency. And when we fail, we start over. This past fall and spring, most of you know I coached soccer, three and four-year-olds, or four and five-year-olds. And we have multiple families that spoke Spanish as, a, as their primary first language. One family had only been in the United States uh, for a year, and they spoke no English. And I did my best to learn some Spanish to communicate them. And there was a, a beautiful Puerto Rican family that spoke English, Spanish, and they helped us translate in between uh, these two families. And I think that the Spanish families appreciated that I was trying so hard. Right? I tried to put myself in their shoes. What would it be like to move to another country where I knew no one, didn't understand the culture, and didn't speak the language? This family is one of the sweetest families that we've ever met. They actually came to our lake day back in the spring. Some of you that speak Spanish helped me communicate with them. Um, that's the day, which was actually 101 days ago. Um, they introduced me to an app called Duolingo. And so for years I've said, 
that I wanted to learn Spanish, but I've done nothing about it. And so I downloaded the app. And now I'm 101 days in on learning Spanish. I can't speak it worth a hoot. <laughs> and every time I'm around a Spanish speaker, I freeze up. I practice every day when, or every Sunday when we go to the Mexican restaurant. Katie's like, why do we keep going? I was like, I need to practice my Spanish. <laughs> but I also think it's a ministry opportunity because there's, there's a server named Maritza. And we keep asking for her every time we go. We leave her the biggest tip that we can possibly afford. And we just laugh and she makes fun of me the whole time trying to order and all the things. But it's a process. Day by day, it feels like I'm learning nothing. But after 100 plus days, I'm reading now full sentences in Spanish. And my hope is that one day I'll never, ever have to say again, I wish I knew it. Because even if it's five years down the road, I mean, I don't have three minutes a day I can do this silly app. So I'm trying to do something. Right? Little by little, I'm making process. Just little things. In her book, Inner Compass, Margaret Silf describes a powerful, uh, prayerful picture of what it looks like to let go of the past in order to move into the future. I'm going to read an excerpt. Imagine yourself on the banks of a wide, fast-flowing river. You must cross, but there's no bridge. And Jesus comes carrying a large stone and places it in the river right in front of you. He then invites you to step out onto it. Every day, he brings another stone, and then another, and another. And you move out further into the water each day. One day, however, you find yourself in the middle of the river with water rushing all around you, and, there's, and no new stone appears. And when you cannot move forward, you feel a wave of panic. You look back to the shore, and then only do you realize that where the stones are coming from. Jesus has been systematically dismantling the cottage on the shore behind you. That place in the past where you have lived your entire life and turning it into one stone at a time, stepping stones for your future. You take a, you take a deep breath and wait for God. And when your heart is still, he quietly places the next stone in front of you. And he invites you to take another step across the fast-moving river. And you realize now that he will always bring one more stone, just one at a time, and then nudge you forward. And you realize that you can trust him as he continues to take the stones from your past and use them to lead you into a good future. Stone by stone, step by step, moment by moment, day by day, we move further away from our past and into the good future that God has for us. An ancient rabbi was on his deathbed and was quoted as saying this. When I was young, I set out to change the world. And when I grew older, I perceived that this, too, this was too ambitious. And so I set out to change my state. This too, I realized as I grew older, was too ambitious. And so I set out to change my town. And when I realized I could not even do this, I tried to change my family. Now, as an old man, I know that I should have started by changing myself. Because if I started with myself, maybe then I could have succeeded in changing my family, the town, or even the state, and who knows, maybe even the world. The time is now to focus on ourselves 
And I know that sounds counterintuitive. We're supposed to prefer our brother, but follow the context of what I'm saying. It's time to face our past, to face our shadow, to restore our foundations and to pursue deep change. And out of our personal deep change, deep change will then flow into others. So how do we do it? One step at a time, one moment at a time, digging deep, moving forward. If it were me on that, those rocks crossing the river, I, should, I would be wet. I'd be falling in the river a lot. And that's what we do. We fall, we fail a lot. But what, I mean, do we just go back? We've come too far. We've come too far. And it's time for us to grow up in our faith. It's time for us to embrace what God wants to do in our lives and to move forward day by day, step by step, facing those things that just keep coming up. Again, I've said this in, in a lighthearted way. I've said it in a, in, a, in a more serious way, but it's the reality of where we are. There are many folks in the room that have been serving Christ for a long time, 20, 30 years, 15 years, whatever the number is. But instead of being 15, 20, or 30 years old in the faith, we're one year old, 15, 20, 30 different times. And I just don't want to do that anymore. Like I should be way more mature spiritually than I am right now. And so should some of you. Let's face it. Let's do the hard work. And in two years, three years, five years, let's not be the same. Let's experience the deep change that God has for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.